Hi, this is Richie Kotzen on Sonic Perspective. Another interview for Sonic Perspectives. Today, I'm honored to speak with the one and only Mr. Richie Cotton. Richie, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, man. I know you speak a little bit of Portuguese, so maybe I should say bon dia. Bon dia. Uh-huh. You know, you're going to embarrass me here. I only know the bad words. You know, like <laughs> That's right. Sayuki, or, um, uh, <laughs> or Gambiaha, because, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know. I just know some strange words, but you know, I, I get in trouble a lot because um, I'm just too lazy and I, and I really should know a lot of Portuguese being that my, I'm married to a Brazilian. Yeah. So um, <laughs> this is something that I, I promise I'm going to you know, focus on for the future. All right. Good stuff. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about the upcoming release of Smith Cotson. I think it's an unlike pairing, which you did an amazing album, but how did you guys meet at first? Well, it was very interesting how we met. Um, I It was many years ago, and I was out one night with a buddy, friend of mine, and we were driving around looking for something to do. And there is a place in L.A. called the Sunset Marquee, and it's a tiny little bar in a hotel on a side street. And I used to go in there all the time in the 90s. That was a real popular place for musicians to hang out. Yeah. And one night, and this is not, this wasn't the 90s, this was, you know, 2000s, and it kind of had died off. But one night I went in there and uh, just hanging out, and uh, we started talking to this woman who was in, interested in music, and my friend said, oh, you know, Richie's a, a guitar player and, and this and that. And then she, she said, oh, well, my husband is an Iron Maiden. Wow. And, you know, <laughs> I, I have been a fan of Iron Maiden since, you know, I've been a child. I mean, it's one of my favorite bands of all time. I played Number of the Beast every morning before I went to school when it came out. So, um, you know, it was that and Black Sabbath were my bands back in that particular era of my life. So, uh, you know, we hit it off and she said, well, you know, Adrian's coming to town. When he comes into town, I'll, I'll make sure you guys can meet. And so Adrian and I eventually met and, and we developed into a friendship. And my wife and uh, Adrian's wife are friends. So we all became friends. And every time they would come to L.A., we'd get together, go for dinner. And they would have holiday parties at the house. And there would always be like a jam session happening by the end of the night. Somewhere, somewhere along the line, we'd go into the studio and start messing around, playing cover songs. And in more recent times, Natalie, his wife, had mentioned, you know, you guys should try and write a song together, see what happens. So we got together, and then one thing led to another, and now we've got this album. Awesome. Uh, and I don't think not uh, many people know this, but uh, your first ever concert was Iron Maiden in 1985. If you only knew, you'd be playing with Adrian many years later, right? Oh, yeah. Can you believe that? <laughs> and and, and uh, yeah, it was the Peace of Mind tour, 
I saw them in Allentown, Pennsylvania, which is not far from where I grew up. And uh, it was the loudest concert I've ever been to, by the way. To this wow. day, that was the loudest <laughs> concert. That says something, yeah. And uh, you recorded the album in Turks and Caicos. What was it like to record there in terms of uh, recording facilities and whatnot? Well, you know, I had never been there before, and uh, Adrian goes down there a lot. So they suggested we do something different. And we went down there. They said everything was set up for us, so I didn't have to worry about anything. I had just done a, a, a show in Miami, and then I went on a cruise and, and did a performance. So I was already, you know, close by, so I mm. got on the plane. Uh, Julia, my wife, and I went down there. And the first, to be honest, the first couple of days, I, I didn't want to bother to do anything except lay on the beach and, <laughs> and drink uh, caipirinhas or whatever we were drinking down there. As you do. And it, you know, yeah. it was fantastic. But then, we, yeah, yeah, we got into a routine and, uh, you know, eventually we got to work and, and, and you know, do what we had to do. So Adrian and I ended up producing the record, did everything ourselves. And then when it was all done, we uh, sent the, the final files, whatever you call it. No tape these days. I used to record mm. on tape. Back in the day, I had a tape machine in my house, and I used to cut tape to edit. I would splice the 24-track you know, machine and everything. I learned how to do all that stuff, but now you send files. So we sent the files to Australia, which is a lot uh, cheaper to send files than audio tape. Mm. And Kevin Shirley got a hold of it and just did a fantastic job mixing it. And he, he, the, when they sent it back the first time, I said, oh, yeah, you've got to have this guy mixed the whole record so that was nice and so everything came together but I, I gotta say to me now i have it right here in my office i'm looking at it hmm. and i have it in vinyl it reminds me of one of those classic albums that i would have had when i was a kid you know and that's what i'm so proud of it that you know obviously it's got adrian's name on the cover so that's a big deal for me you know adrian smith richie kotsky together but the, the thing, it looks and feels and sounds like one of those records that I would have bought back in the day. So I'm very excited to, to get this out there so people can hear it. Very cool. And it's great how you guys split the bass and the vocals uh, on all the tracks, and there's almost a seamless transition between you two in the verses. How is the decision made for every track in terms of who's going to sing what, who's going to play bass where? Yeah, well, you know, a, a lot of, you know, the bass stuff, you know, I, I play bass on my records. Um, you know, I hate saying this, but I, I, I consider myself a bass player as much as a guitar player because I have the privilege of growing up around great bass players. As you know, I, I've been in two bands with Billy Sheehan, yeah. you know, Mr. Big and the Winery Fox, and I was in a band with Stanley Clark. And so, you know, those are two you know, top of the food chain guys right there. And then a, a long list of other amazing guys, you know, from Jeff Berlin that played with and TM Stevens and you know, mm. all these guys. So I picked up a lot and, and bass is something that I always gravitated towards as a young person. You know, I, I love, you know, Stevie wonder, you know, talking book record, the bass on that record is fantastic. So it was real natural for me to grab the bass on a couple songs and, you know, Adrian played bass on a couple things, so it just made sense. We had ideas. Somebody'd hear a line. Let me try this. I got an idea for a bass line. And then with um, with the the singing, it really was a, a matter of you know who 
had an idea. So, you know, for example, taking my chances, Adrian brought that riff in and then he had an idea what to sing over it. You know, when that, when that verse came, when it opens up to the verse. And then uh, the next part, I said, well, let me try something. I got an idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we really did that. It just kind of went naturally. So it's almost like, you know, if somebody had an idea for a melody, then they'd sing it. Although it's not like that on every song. There are a couple songs where it went the other way, where maybe Adrian had an idea for a melody and I'd, you know, sing it. Um, okay. So, uh, you yeah, know. almost anyway, an even split. That's, that's, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and uh, you did most of the drums on the album, but you also have Tal Bergman adding some flavor on three songs, and Nico from Iron Maiden on the song Solar Fire. Can you comment on that? Sure. Um, you know, when things started rolling in a way that, that I started realizing quickly that, you know, I was the drummer on the album, and, yeah. you know, we wanted to get uh, some different flavors, and, you know, as far as me and my drumming, you know, I kind of come from a, a, a Simon Kirk, Uh, John Bonham school of drumming. You know, I, I love John Bonham, so mm. you know, I like that kind of style. But I don't have that kind of machine gun, you know, big fill, you know, right. kind of big shooter type drum fills. I, I don't, I don't have that in my arsenal. So uh, <laughs> when we did Solar Fire, you know, I said, you know, I, I can play on this, but man, it'd be nice to to get someone with a little more you know, facilities to, to do this, you know, make it a little more aggressive, a little more, you know, entertaining. And so he had the idea to call Nico and, you know, he just did a great job. I mean, the, the spills he put on there just, you know, set it off to me. I, I think he did a great job. And then once we decided to do that for Solar Fire, I thought, well, you know, I just did a couple shows with Tal Bergman, who I've known since I was 26 mm. who i also took with me when i opened for the rolling stones i i picked him to, to go over there to japan with me and so uh he he did a couple songs and he's one of those guys that comes in he listens to what you got I and mean, we had everything mapped out like with a either a drum loop or a click track a guide okay. guitar guide vocals and uh he said all right well let me listen to it so he'd sit there for about i don't know 20 minutes with a piece of paper and a pencil not say nothing, just play it back and forth, write stuff. He says, okay, I got it. Let's go. And you go down there and just bang, done in, in uh, one, one take. All right, great. Let me fix this one section. So that was great. But, you know, that was just how it happened. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they did a great job on it. Yeah, absolutely. And tell me about Scars. Uh, in my head, I keep imagining that song being stretched live with you and Adrian exchanging solos on like a long jam kind of thing. Yeah, that would be great. You know, yeah. uh, we, we're going to have to stretch some stuff out because we only have nine songs. <laughs> we only have nine songs, so we're going to have to come up with something. But uh, we are talking about playing live. I mean, the, the idea, you know, we got half of this right. Uh, the first mm. half was, was getting the record released in March. And that was always the plan. This, this thing was finished before the pandemic hit. So in our minds, you know, we were, you know, I had four continents of dates books for myself for the 50 for 50 album that I put out yeah. in February of 2020 and he had dates for maiden. So we thought, all right, well let's release, you know, Smith Cotson in March of 2021 and then come April, we'll go do some shows. So half of that we got right. We got the record coming out here in March Unfortunately, we can't tour, but the plan 
eventually when, when things open up is for us to get out there and do some live shows. Okay. Fingers crossed. Uh, by the way, forgive my ignorance, but uh, I always thought you played Tellers exclusively. But on the video for Scars, you're playing a Strat. Is that right? Oh, yeah. I play, yeah, you got to go back and look at my videos. I'm, I'm about 50-50. Telly Strat, <laughs> you know, like on, on the, one of the last music videos I put out, I was playing a Strat. But, you know, I, I go back and forth. Like, so, you know, back in the early 90s, 91, I was doing the telly then for like when I did the Motherhead's Family Reunion record uh, in 94, I was playing Strats. And, uh, you know, I kind of go back and forth uh, on this record. I'm playing both. But uh, at one point on this record, you can go back and listen to it on the song I Want to Stay. And I think one other song, I actually grabbed Adrian's Jackson and I did a solo and that thing took me back to my teenage years because it has a locking tremolo system, which I, I abandoned oh. those things years ago because they're such a pain in the ass to tune and deal <laughs> with. But uh, back then I used to play them. So I grabbed his guitar and I, uh, I, I, I was playing that, using that bar. And I, I, I listened back to solo. So it sounds like an old, like a, a teenage Richie Cotson came back and did a <laughs> solo on the record. So right. if you don't listen to it, you'll hear me. I sound like back to my shrapnel record roots on that particular song, but it's because I just grabbed his guitar to do the solo just to try something different. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, another song that has that slow burn kind of feel that you could easily jam to and stretch is You Don't Know Me, right? With seven minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's, yeah. Is, that, is that the one that has the long solo at the end? I got to go back and listen because, you know, the problem, I don't know if it's a problem, but I, I tend to make records and then I never listen to them again until <laughs> I got to play it live. And then I'll go back and right. I'll study it, figure out what I did. Right. Um, but, I, you know, I think I got to listen to this stuff again, yeah. figure out what I did. It does have that gem kind of feel on that song, so I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I figure once we get out play live, we'll stretch out some things because we're both players. We like to play, so we'll stretch out some things, maybe pull in a song, you know, from Adrian's uh, that's not a Smith Cotson song, maybe pull in one of mine, okay. probably throw in a couple covers in there, and we could put a good set together. Wow. I can't wait to see you live, man. I think this record has everything that the old 70s fan uh, is willing to happen in 2021, I think. Cool. And uh, Adrian mentioned that uh, I Want to Stay, which you just mentioned, was the song that took the longest of all to reach its final form. Can you tell me what was difficult about that one in particular? Well, that song, there's a melody there that in the chorus that leads, you know, the, the opening line, uh, first couple lines there. And th that was in my head the entire time I was down there in Turks and Caicos. And it was kind of making me crazy, like literally. <laughs> and I even say that in the song, Oh, she makes me crazy. I, I actually put that in the lyric because the melody was making me crazy. And I, I just couldn't, and it, because I couldn't figure out what I wanted to say. And that happens, you know, sometimes, you know, you have an idea for a song, you sing it into your recorder so you don't forget it. Mm. Uh, other times you don't need to because the melody just sticks with you. So I knew it was something that needed to be written because it wasn't going away. Um, and then one night it clicked. I went in there, got in front of the microphone uh, and just started messing around and it came together. But that he's right. That one took, took probably the longest to get to get going. And running, 
the second song on the album is particularly uh, catchy for me. Am I right in saying that there's a Lenny Kravitz kind of vibe on that song? Or maybe Lenny drank from the same fountain as you guys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, uh, it's possible. You know, we're all drinking from the, you know, the same fountain. But uh, I'm trying to think. Running, now, Running is an interesting song. That came in. That is the first song that we worked on together. If you can imagine that. <laughs> that, that was the beginning where we okay. thought, okay, we got something. And so that riff, uh, that riff came out of, Adrian brought that riff in, which uh, maybe might be where, where you're getting the, that vibe from. Mm -hmm. And then the chorus I came up with, it, and that, that riff led me into the chorus. And that was the first thing we did. And... Um, You know, we were, when we were talking about uh, sequencing the record and everything, we were trying to figure out what to do. We didn't know if that should be first or taking my chances. And then finally we settled into to what's on the album right now. Okay. And uh, final question for me. What is next for you in 2021? Another solo album or maybe the Winery Dogs or what's the plan? Man, you know, it's so hard to make plans. I had big plans when I was coming out of, uh, you know, out of this recording, the Smith Cotson record had all kinds of plans and then they all went out the window. <laughs> so right now we're, we're doing as much as we can to, to, you know, let people know about the Smith Cotson record. Um, yeah. interestingly, I've been talking to Stanley Clark again and, uh, we got something we've been working on. I, you know, we're taking our time. Nobody's in a rush, but you know, we'll see what comes out of it. And, uh, You know, I actually started writing some, some new music for myself that's very, very different than anything I've done. It's very interesting. It's, it's, uh, I played a song, uh, last night for Julia, my wife, and she said, wow. She said, I, I never heard anything like that come out of this room. She said, that's really something. Wow. So, you know, there will, there will, there will always be a, another solo record as long as I'm walking around. I'll, I'll, I'll always make my, my records and my music. And then, you know, the Winery Dogs, we did a, a tour in 2019 that was really just a great tour. I had a great time. One of my favorite tours I've done. And coming out of that, you know, we were primed to, to throw around some ideas. And then, you know, with COVID, you know, that just knocked us out. You know, the problem is, you know, uh, Adrian's got a house here in L.A. That's not what I'm going to say the problem is. But Adrian's got a house in L.A., So, you know, he's going to come back. He and I are going to write more. But with Billy and Mike, you know, one guy's in Pennsylvania, one guy's in Nashville, yeah. and I'm in California. You know, to make a proper winery dog record, we got to be in the same room. You know, we yeah. can send files around. I, I kind of tried to do that earlier in the year. I had a song I put out called Raise the Cane, and I thought maybe yeah, we could try to write, send, send some files around. But reality is, is to, to do a, a winery dog record, we need to get in the room and, uh, and, and, you know, throw ideas because that's how we work. You know, that's, that's the magic of that band. So we're going to do it. Uh, it's just a matter of when it's yeah. safe, you know, when are people coming Not everybody wants to get on the airplane. Personally, yeah. I'm not willing to get on an airplane right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just not, you know, I'm not going to do it, but, Uh, you know, once things open up and it's, you know, everybody is clean and, and, and safe, then we can look at it. Yeah. 
Understood. Well, Richie, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. All the best with this release and stay safe and healthy. All right, man. Thanks for the interview. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Bye. Okay, everyone, thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this interview with Richie Cotton. The interview is available in many formats, YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Also, please follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're going to finish off with Taking My Chances, the first single of Richie's collaboration with Adrian Smith. Crank it up, upset your neighbors, and see you next time. Uh-huh.